Hello there, and thanks for joining me on the podcast today. Children's behavior. This is an important podcast today as we look at how children develop some of their behavior patterns, their attitudinal patterns, their social lifestyle, their commitment to education, and um, how they relate to each other, and what you can do as a parent, and how you can raise your kids most effectively as a parent. So it's a good podcast today for parents. If you're a parent, listen. If you know another parent, share it, because it will be very insightful in terms of bringing up children. Okay, I'm going to go through a number of research studies and uh, give you some of the implications of these particular studies and their findings as it relates to children and it relates to parenting. Now, here's the first one. It's an important study. It was generally believed in the uh, all around 2015, on the basis of some research studies that were conducted at the time, that children who are generous are children who do not have a religious faith and do not practice a religion of some form. In other words, religious background was not particularly important. Well, that study was uh, questioned and and challenged uh, by a professor at Harvard University a few years later and uh, found just the opposite results to be true. So the professor contacted the original researchers and told them about the findings and challenged them. So the original researchers then repeated the study and actually found opposite results. So they had to change their point of view. So the general finding was the effect of religious upbringing seems to contribute to greater generosity towards others. Many years later and well into young adulthood, the researcher went on to say this, the data shows that children raised in a religious household were more likely to volunteer, more likely to forgive each other quickly more likely to stay away from drugs, and more likely to avoid dangerous behavior. So religious upbringing, religious training, kind of did serve as a filter and serve as a uh, guidepost for children's social behavior, particularly generosity. Now here's a second study that was done, and that's an interesting one, done in the South, and um, it was called the Ten Commandments Project. Now the Ten Commandment Project was this. That a group of children were brought together from either a church or a boys and girls club of some kind in the community and were asked to participate in this study. And the study was this, is to memorize the Ten Commandments, be able to say the Ten Commandments verbally out loud in front of a group without mistake, and number three, to attend six weeks of classes on what those Ten Commandments actually meant each of them, one at a time, with the meaning of each of the Ten Commandments. And obviously, they found very positive results. Social behavior improved, and uh, the general attitudinal behavior of students improved as a result of this particular project. So that's a project that you can do at your own home. You don't have to bring a, a whole group of kids together, necessarily, although you could. It could be done in your church, it could be done in your club, at school, wherever it might be. But the idea being memorize the Ten Commandments and know what they mean, and kids will benefit as a result of that learning. Now, here's a um, another study that was done <clears throat> that was uh, considerably important, I think, in terms of the life of children, and that is abortion. Um, a city in Texas, Gilmer, Gilmer, Texas, East Texas, that is, was the sixth city in the sixth city in the state of Texas to ban abortions and banned the building of an abortion clinic within the confines of the city limits. And um, they were advocating, obviously, right to life. 
And the Right to Life director in that particular area made this statement. All those human beings just as human, are just as human as you and me. He went on to say this. All we are saying here is in our cities, we do not want those kids to be killed. The ordinance prohibits, the ordinance prohibits abortions and bans abortion facilities within the city limits. So it's a right to life stand and uh, the value of children, the value of babies, the value of pregnancy, the value of birth is being upheld and being honored in these six cities. And you watch over the next five years, let's say, you're going to see a lot more cities take on this particular stance. If the country won't or if the state will not, cities will. City by city by city across the country will become a sanctuary city for the birth of children. Here's another study that was important uh, to know. There are a number of children that have attention deficit disorder or what we call hyperactivity, the hyperactivity of a child. And um, these kids generally have trouble in school. They have trouble in their social behavior patterns. They have trouble with impulse control. They get into trouble more often and so on. Now, generally, treatment involves therapy for the child and the parent and the use of some mild medication for the attention deficit disorder. That's usual. But there are a lot of parents that do not want their children to take medication. So they just do the therapy by themselves and sometimes use herbal drugs or herbal medications and so on. But there are a lot of medications out there that are used with ADD, but parents do not want to use them. So there's an alternative recently developed by NeuroSigma. It's a country, N-E-U-R-O-S-I-G-M-A, NeuroSigma. Look it up. Check it out on the internet. They've developed a little device which is known as the E-TENS unit, E-TENS unit. That's spelled with a small e and then T-N-S, which is capitalized, capital T-N-S, E-TENS. It's a unit that uh, you place on the child at bedtime. It's a little strap that goes around the uh, face and around the forehead and back of the head and uh, delivers a electrical charge throughout the night for about six hours to the external trigeminal nerve. So the obviously the device is called the uh, external trigeminal nerve stimulation system. So kids sleep with this all night, just like an EPAC that people who have sleeping trouble sleep with. And they sleep with this all night while that little electrical charge is producing activity in the brain. And what these researchers have been finding is that this unit makes a significant difference in the level of attention of the child during the course of the day at school. In other words, kids that sleep with this trigeminal nerve stimulator will do much better the next day in school in their level of attention and focus. So, if you have a child that has ADD and you don't want to use medication for whatever reason, here's an alternative, you know, for you. So I would certainly recommend you just check it out on the um, website of NeuroSigma, N-E-U-R-O-S-I-G-M-A, NeuroSigma. And um, might be an alternative for you and your particular child. And obviously this, the researchers found that not only do the kids do better in their focus and their attention, but obviously do better in their academic behavior and in their social behavior and in their general level of energy, you know, throughout the day. So... That's an alternative for you, and you might want to give real consideration to that, particularly if you have a kid that has a serious problem in the ADD, ADHD realm of life, okay? 
What about sports? Kids play sports. All kids generally play some type of sport throughout their life. But researchers found this, that kids that play soccer have a different brain development than kids that engage in music or art for the same number of hours or the, name or the same period of time in their life. Soccer seems to have a positive development on the brain for kids 9 to 11 if they play it regularly. And here's what it does. It has a growth influence upon the hippocampus. The hippocampus is a uh, little area of the brain, right in the base of the brain, that can grow in volume with activity, with exercise, and will have a definite effect upon children's level of mood, particularly depression. In other words, kids that have a larger hippocampus have less depression than kids that have a smaller hippocampus. Kids that play soccer have a larger hippocampus. So therefore, the result of this study seems to indicate that soccer is to be encouraged with kids because not only does it have a coordination benefit and a social team coordination benefit, social relationship benefit, has all those benefits, certainly. How to follow directions, how to learn rules, play by them, etc. But also seems to have an effect upon the reduction of depression in the life of children. Now here's another study, very important for parents. There are two kinds of parents in this study. They were known as the authoritative parent as compared to the authoritative authoritarian parent, the authoritarian parent. Now, the authoritative parent, that was the parent that was high in warmth and high in control. In other words, they were warm parents. They were nurturing parents. They were welcoming parents. They were smiling parents. They were hugging parents. They were loving parents, but they had a high degree of control. They controlled their kids, what they did and what they didn't do. They knew where the kids were, and they knew what the kids were doing. They kept control of their kids. That's the authoritative parent. On the other hand, the authoritarian parent also kept control of their kids, but did it in a very objective way, and they were cold. They were low in warmth. They were cold. They were much more objective. They were much more matter-of-fact. And the lack of, they had a definite lack of loving and warm behavior with their kids. So they compared these two parents, the authoritative and the authoritarian parent. And the results seem to indicate that the authoritative parent, that's the one with low, I mean with a high degree of warmth and a high degree of control, was a parent that had the most positive outcome in their kids, in their social behavior, and in their general academic behavior, in their general ethic type of behavior, that is doing right and wrong and knowing the difference between right and wrong and so on. So, as compared to the authoritarian parents that was low in warmth but had high degrees of control, those kids tend to have more difficulty in life, have much more social problems in life, have much more uh, conflict in life, negative outcomes, if you will. So the parents that were low in warmth but high in control are not to be encouraged. Parenting that is high in warmth and high in control is to be encouraged. Those kids seem to do the very best. And that's the kind of parent that seems to be an effective parent for their kids. Okay? So there you are. You have some very definite differences and some very definite guidelines as parents. And making sure that if you follow these kind of guidelines, you follow these kind of research studies, these research findings, the results of these research studies guides you as a parent. So you become an effective parent. You become a good parent. You become a positive parent. 
you become a parent that you'll be proud of your kids and your kids will be proud of you and you'll be proud of yourself as a parent. And you know that you're doing the right kind of things for your kids and you're bringing them up properly. Anyway, nice to have you with me today in the uh, podcast. I recommend you go to my website, www.booksbyhedberg.com. Hey, pick up the book there, will you? Doctor, teach me to parent. There is the real great source for you. It'll be a good book for you. Good book for you to buy for Christmas for somebody. And um, you really want to get your parenting act together, pick up the book. It's a great one. About 77 different lessons in parenting and dealing with different situations in the normal life of a child. www.booksbyhedberg.com. Bye for now.